Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! Lady and or gentlemen, welcome to you. Welcome back to, I think this is episode six of the Mosby Learning Podcast. My name is Dan Hurt and I'm calling from Etobicoke, Ontario. And my name is Adam Costics, and I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. And I'm Cynthia Gibbs calling from Double Oak, Texas. Very good. We are uh, we're a binational podcast, as you guys know. You may have heard that already. Uh, excited to be here. Really, just to talk about anything L and D. We wanna we wanna talk about not just L and D, but I mean how it connects to other stuff, how it connects to marketing, how it connects to internal communications, how it connects to leadership, to HR, all sorts of crazy stuff that touches all of the edges of L and D and influences and it forms it. Um, and we're here to talk about, well, now Cynthia, last time we kind of, we kind of, we did, you, you guys, I don't know if you saw that Jimmy Kimmel bit where he keeps thanking Matt Damon, but isn't able to get to him. You know, <laughs> apologies to Matt Damon. You know that? Mm-hmm. No? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, it was, it was funny when Kimmel did it. It wasn't funny when we did it to Gibbs last week. Um, Cynthia, you had, you, you, you put some work into kind of, uh, a couple different books that, cause you have, you have a library. You, you actually literally have a library in your home. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. I've seen awesome pictures library. of this and it's gorgeous. <laughs> it <Yes>. is. <laughs> yes. Uh, but you, yeah, you put, you put some time in and kind of, uh, not only do you already have a depth of, uh, a depth of shelf, let's say, but there were a couple of things that you picked out last week to talk to us about and, and what were they? Um, so yes, I have a library. My husband was awesome and made me this beautiful customized library, uh, for me. So I probably have close to, well, with my son's books, probably close to, uh, close to a thousand books can't say i read them all but um (laughs) just love to read um and so one of the things we were talking about uh when we were preparing this was you know being part of learning and development it's always about you know how do you develop yourselves whether it's attending training whether it's attending webinars seminars um workshops but you know the old-fashioned way of course is you know reading books reading books um, about leadership, about management, about uh, how to coach and all the different things. And a lot of times, you know, well, back in the day, you know, that's how we did a lot of our research to write learning and development material, training material. Now we have so many other resources, too, that we use um, to do it. Now, when you say back in the day, they didn't even have soft covers that far back. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, no. Is it, is it all bound in calfskin or what? <laughs> yeah. They, they wrote it on rocks. There you go. <laughs> they chiseled it out. <laughs> it was a long process. <laughs> now, you were uh, you were poking at a couple, uh, they were leadership books that you were looking at, right? Yeah. And so I was, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, what are some books that, you know, resonate when it comes to leadership to me? Um, and so obviously I, I probably have like eight or 10 leadership books or management books or, you know, so-called self-development books on being a better leader, um, that I really, really liked, but you know, I, I thought of three that I thought would be really good because I felt like, um, they stood the test of time. You know, there's like, there's some books that you read that are like good at that moment, but I thought there were some books that stood the test of time and that you can even use today. So that's what I did. Do you want me to talk about those three books? 
I do. Well, let's okay. start with one of them. Well, hang on. So let, let me let me couch this just a little bit more. Why was it leadership that that you wanted to kind of dig into or that resonated with you? Um, well, a lot of it that got me into the leadership books was because um, when I was a training specialist at Household, one of the things, you know, a couple things that was happening was one of my goals was to become a, a training manager. And I knew that, you know, it's going to be, you know, to transition right into the topic we're talking about today, I needed some skill development. And the mm. manager I had talked a lot about, you know, the leadership skills you needed to have as a manager and that, you know, there are two very different things, right? The manager is the transactional parts and the leader is the transformational part of, you know, being a training manager. And so that's when, and I also at the time started training a lot of leadership classes um, at HSBC and we had a great leadership training program um, at, at there at HSBC and so what I did was I started just picking up books on leadership um, books that you know were recommended by the leadership classes I was training recommended by other people um, and just based on things I want to learn um, that my mentors might have been working on me with so you had you had started that statement by saying you there was some training you realized you needed. Now, Adam, uh, would you as as you are Cynthia's uh, manager, would you say that would you say that that's no longer needed that training or like she's uh, her good training or my training? She seems to, she seems to continue to put those books on my desk at, at, at many times. So, um, I, oh, I so she's in. coaching up. She's she's, she's coaching, coaching up. up. She's like, you should read that's this. Beautiful. It's a great book on leadership. It's, it's standing the test of time about not being transactional. Um, no, I think you know I I I, I approached uh, you know, my development a little bit different, which is kind of interesting. You know, Cynthia, you went toward books, and and I can't wait to hear about the books that you're going to talk about but you know when I learned sales I did very similar things but I listened to audiobooks so Zig Ziglar I was audiobooks how to be mm -hmm. a winner how to you know, win friends and influence people I listened to those on audio because quite frankly don't like to read long books <laughs> and um, I'm more of a magazine guy or can talk <laughs> on, on radio but uh, it's just kind of interesting how people learn a little bit different that I never read books but I listened tons and tons when I was learning sales on everything I could consume to say, okay, I'm listening to audio tapes. I'm putting them into the MP3 player. And at that time it was cassettes. So I actually have some of the cassettes and CDs still upstairs of a ton of Zig Ziglar stuff back from you know, 1999 and 1998. Hmm. So what's, what's the first book that's on your list, Gibbs? Well, it's kind of funny that Adam mentioned the book already that he listened to audio on it. Uh, oh. But, you know, probably the oldest book that I like is uh, by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Wow. That, that and, was a total guess. We didn't prepare that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was Look, a total guess. And it was kind of funny, you know, because, you know, I was looking at it last week to get kind of like, you know, like I've read the book several times, you know, I could kind of give you a good summary, but I was looking at the synopsis on Goodreads and I was looking at the reviews and it kind of surprised me because I think it, it really made me think about how, you know, you really have to understand what the book is about and get your mind set about it because a lot of the reviews were talking about you know, thinking this was a book about how to make friends. Um, like if you oh were an introvert, 
or if you you oh, know didn't boy. know how to have basic human relationships. So people were like, some people were giving it poor reviews, and I'm like, well, that's really not what the book was about. That wasn't the whole purpose of it. And truly, you know, Dale Carnegie's book, which I believe even, you know, especially today with all the social media and all the things that they're saying about how the younger generations don't know how to build strong relationships anymore because it's mm. all you know, technology or social media. But I think it, it goes down to the bare basics of how to lead people so that they feel like they're a value add to your company, a value add to your team, and how to keep them engaged and motivated. And it's things like that that help people to re, uh, stay at the company and to retain. So it talks about treating your employees in a certain way. So that way they are inspired to uh, take ownership of the company, inspired to work for you, and inspired to, you know, do things for their career. Mm. Um, and so when you take it from that perspective of it's talking about how do I as a leader get my team going and how do I build relationships with them so they feel safe with me, so they trust me, so that they can learn and grow from me and and vice versa. These are the things we need to do. And it's simple stuff. Um, because a lot of it's common sense stuff, but I think it's stuff that we need to be conscious about always doing because we forget. Well, okay, so you, you, it's simple stuff, and you mentioned kids, kids today uh, that are clearly on your lawn. Um, what uh, the, the the people that are using social media that maybe we see an atrophy in social skills? What's something that you might pull out of that book and 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 throw at them or or post as a meme somewhere so that they can actually read it? What what's something that you think you'd pull out? Um, so a couple things. Um, one of the things is find things to compliment on genuinely. So oh, be I like that. Yeah. So be specific, right? Don't yeah. say just oh, you know, I like that or I think you did a great job. Be specific about what you like about that person. You know, you know, that's that's something that when I moved to Texas, so so people in Canada, we, we understand them to be a polite breed of people. Yes. Well, um, no, you're from un- Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, until you go down to Texas and you're like, oh, shit, no, these are the these are the polite people. <laughs> this is them. Um, and, and it was one thing that I always kind of struggled with because. I've never I've never lived in, in, a, in a life where I just hand out compliments left and right. You know, if I hand them out, it means something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you go down there and, and, and like you can be talking to a stranger or your neighbor who you know a little bit. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that's a wonderful sweater. Like every time they saw you, they would just they would throw a compliment at you. And it would really take me off guard because I'm like, well, I don't I don't have anything to say back to that. So th- thank you. I'm glad you like my sweater. Have a great day. Um and, and maybe I could have tried a little harder to find something genuine to compliment on. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're saying that you might actually want to s- search for something, and that's a skill that we can develop. Yes. Yeah, and, hmm. and another common sense was, was think about the other person's perspective. Yeah. You know, so put yourself in their shoes. I mean, in that like case- time zones, like time zones, <laughs> how time might not be the same everywhere. Not is that what you're thinking? Central time. 
No, it's not. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> Tragically, no. Time is not the same no, everywhere. Well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that book? Uh, one of the things I was pulling up because I mentioned before, I don't really like to read. So I use a program called Git Abstract. If you guys haven't checked it out, it's pretty cool because it gives you summaries of all the books. Um, and Dan, you were asking, you know, what are the tips to pull out? And it literally has three things to handle people. And it, it's broken down really easy. One is just be nice, right? Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. super simple principle, but just be nice to people. And the second is find out what they want. So yeah. when you're talking to people, yeah. it's find out what they want, not you. Um, and then the third one I thought was interesting is just help them get what they want. Yeah. You know, I can't remember who it was that uh, I heard, but they were talking about drama and they had boiled down drama. They described drama as two people in a room that want different things. Oh, wow. And that like that's boom. That was that was if you want drama, that's what it is. And, and you know, I watch movies sometimes and I see a scenario like that play out and they're super intense, like Breaking Bad or something. You've got like there is almost no words being spoken, but two people that we clearly understand wanting different things and how much one either wants to kill the other or protect it or just something crazier. They can't share information. But then, yeah, you say that, OK, well, what do they want? And then how can you help them get it? Well, that like, boom, drama's gone. Right. That that yes. makes a whole lot of sense. That's all. And then. <laughs> I, OK, so thanks for down, thanks no, for listening, funny. everybody. Yeah. Thanks for break, tuning in. We were in awe of what you just said. That's what it was. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, so, OK, give me another book. What's another book? Um, you got? So the next book I really, really liked. And again, it's taken back in time is Lincoln on Leadership by uh, Donald T. Phillips. Hmm. And, you, you know. I am a huge uh, Civil War history fan, so Lincoln, of course, is one of my favorite presidents and stuff. But when you read this book, it's just, again, it goes back to the foundational skills of being a leader. It goes back to the foundation basics of, you know, uh, you know how you need to lead people and run a business. And he ran the country you know, during the Civil War on certain strategies. He was extremely strategic. Um, but his his concepts, again, were so simple. And this book talked about things like some of his leadership things were, you know, uh, have a sense of humor, right? Because things can, I mean, mm. obviously it was during the Civil War, so things got pretty bad. But, you know, he had to have a sense of humor. He said things like, influ- and I love this part, influence people through conversations and storytelling. Um, and mm-hmm. I think there's nothing. He's the, he was the. He was the great orator. Isn't that what they called him? The great orator? He was. Yeah. Because yeah. he'd orate a lot. <laughs> yes. And so I, I really think that because, you know, a lot of classes we train, we use examples and we tell stories of what some, you know, people in like, you know, what loan consultants are doing out there. And those people like the people we're training like those stories because it makes it more yeah. real. It makes it more um, real and feasible to them. Uh, he said things like lead by being led, you know, so it, that whole part was having humility to know that, you know, some people, sometimes you need to be led, you know, and direct it. He also said honesty and integrity are the best policies. Honest, Abe, right? Yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> and I think something that relates to me and Adam right now, 
build strong alliances. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm actually reading the exact same thing on the uh, abstract right now. It's building yeah. strong alliances. I think that is a, a pretty interesting. Uh, that has to deal with some of the projects that Cynthia and I are working on there. But it's kind of interesting, too. He talks about... You know, having with your, they call it subordinates. I, I think it's the way it's written, but yeah. having contact with your subordinates in casual ways, not just at formal gatherings. Um, I thought that, I think that's pretty interesting. Is you know, explaining yourself in writing and offering advice on solving problems. So it's kind of the same principles of helping others, being real, being honest, and being a real person engaged mm-hmm. into well, he calls subordinates, but your your people or as a leader, whoever you're leading, um, being informed of them. Yeah. Well, and it definitely, it humanizes you as a leader as well, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, and, and that's one of the things that, uh, you know, obviously we, we're doing a podcast now, but you know, a, a lot of, a lot of the folks that do podcasts that host podcasts, there is there, they kind of seem to go down two different paths and this is maybe this is media in general, but they'll go down one path where they're, they're rather scripted, uh, like l- quite literally scripted. They work out the script beforehand and they try to say it all dramatic and that's cool too. I mean, there's some that I listen to like that, that are just a 10 out of 10, but then there's the authenticity of hearing somebody and really just getting so in their lives for listening to them for hours and hours and hours. Cause maybe they have interesting ideas or interesting guests, but you understand them more as a human being. It's like a, it's like a sound bite that you might get in a corporate meeting versus an actual like contextual conversation where you hear about somebody and they have kids and they have relatives and you know, they know somebody recently that died of whatever. It's just like, Oh shit, this is a real person Uh who deals with their own garbage on a daily basis. You know, one of the, um, sounds like an airplane. (laughs) Yeah. Adam, are you, are you safe? Do you need to duck and cover? (laughs) So, shelter in place. Actually, yeah. uh, one of the things I was looking at, and I want to look back on this because I haven't read the book in a few years, but I want to read this section again. Because one of his main things, too, was once in a while, let things slip. Mm. What does that mean? You know, and I wrote that down as I was re-looking at it, uh, and I uh-oh. hadn't gotten a chance to look at it, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> Speculate for us. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, you know, so now I'm like, is this a strategic kind of thing? You know, like, I need to, we need to, you know, I don't know. I'm just guesstimating right now. Hmm. But, you know, do we need to All lose right. this battle so we can win the bigger war? I don't know. Uh, Adam, Adam, no? let's speculate. Or what is it you a think? learning thing for someone? I, like, I think it's a, I think it's a learning thing, and then allowing your subordinates to pick up the sock and work together as a team. I think if, if I had to guess, um, one of the things that I have had to consistently try hard at in my life is to shut the hell up, because. Um, I, I have a rather high opinion of my own ideas and I would have never thought just because that about I think you. they're, t- <laughs> yes. Can you imagine this? It's, 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 I know this is coming from left field for everybody, but, <laughs> um, I, but okay. So here's the thing. I think a lot of my ideas are well-founded. So I think that they deserve some credit and then I really have to balance that against, well, not everybody gives a shit what you think 
So just let them do their thing on their own. You know, even when I'm coaching my kid or having a conversation with a coworker or anybody, it's like sometimes you just got to let a good idea that's in your head go and let them run with their idea. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. that. And I think kind of like sometimes you need to let stuff slip. I think that really comes down to you see somebody that's struggling mm-hmm. just because you you want to be all over them and coach them constantly. That's not going to help. Sometimes you've got to let people fail so that they can really appreciate what it is that, that they're either accomplishing or trying to accomplishing or their end goal or they're, they're realizing that some of that struggle is actually going to be formative. I think there's a lot of ways that that, that kind of that tracks and that makes sense. But I think also as a leader, those things that you let slip, you gotta really look at whether what are the possible consequences and how much sure. damage could it do. Um, yeah. So you, we, now, luckily, we're not dealing with life lost. You yeah. know, I mean, honestly, <laughs> had some bigger battles. We're just gonna let that one slip. That'll they be let fine. Let the junior mint let fall in the brain. Oops. Right. <laughs> but, but, but Dan, I think it really stays into kind of what you're saying there too. Is you sometimes you got to stay in your lane a little bit. Sometimes you 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 can overstep your boundaries as as a leader when you have to mm-hmm. let people and some when you're letting them quote-unquote fail sometimes they'll surprise you too right if you don't let them have that slack mm-hmm. or let it slip a little mm-hmm. bit they don't have the opportunity to step up to the plate. that's right and i like that yeah i think it's that a, that's a part that that needs to happen and it's the same thing i mean i you know i think about my kid right now i mean it's tough because he's he's a teenager and letting him take responsibility for things that mama bear is used to taking care of everything um and i remember in middle school he would get on me because i was always checking up on his grades in the system and stuff um because you know i'm a little bit asian tiger mom and finally in seventh grade he said mom you need to just trust me and trust that i'm gonna do well in school and stop always looking at my grades uh because you get too freaked out about it um and sure enough, you know, I let it go and, you know, and he, he didn't let things slip, you know, and, yeah. you know, and so I was impressed because, you know, sometimes we think as leaders, we got to always cover for them or if I don't do it or if I don't help them, it's not going to happen. Um, and so I think sometimes it's the letting go and just trusting that no matter what, it's going to be okay. Yep. Uh, and now I know why you didn't want me to call you Mama Bear when we work together. That makes more sense now. <laughs> yeah, you caught me plenty of other things, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, so okay, so you had three, you had three books. Yeah. Do you, uh, you want to jump into the last one you had? Sure. So the last one is one of my favorites because it's about business acumen, um, and we. I read it when I was. I'm not sure if this is the podcast for this. Yeah. Well, it was um, one I read at household, and I actually took a workshop built off of the class, and it was an amazing workshop I took. Um, But it's "What the CEO Wants You to Know" by Ram Sharan. He actually wrote the bigger book called Execution. What Hmm. the CEO wants you to know, much funner. That's the only word. Much okay. more fun uh, than it. Um, and the reason I love it is because it it takes business acumen and how to run a business to like the fourth grade level, so anyone mm. can understand. 
And so the whole book is kind of like a, a parable, much like Ken Blanchard books or John Gordon books about he's talking about how running a large corporation is not much different than running a kiosk like at the mall. You know, those little carts in the middle of the aisles at the mall. Uh, where they I feel sell like they things. make they make more in the C-suite, though, than they yeah. do at the kiosk. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. But, you know, and so I love this book because one thing I loved about uh, Household and then even when it came uh, to HSBC was they were very open about teaching us about finance, not like deep finance, you know, college class, but they were always very open and honest about where we were at financially as a company. Now, maybe not HSBC overall, but my division that I worked in. And so every month, yeah. And so month or every quarter, our CEO from my division would come and do a whole town hall and show us finances, show us where our money's going, show us how much profit we made for HSBC overall of our division. Talk about, you know, what our projections were. And so it really made you take ownership of your job and ownership of I am part of making this profit for this for HSBC. I am part of everything I do in my job every day is helping HSBC survive. And this book just, you know, helps you understand how a business is run, why some of that C-suite has to make the tough decisions, because when you take the book and then you take the workshop They actually, the whole workshop is you go through a whole year as if you were owning that kiosk and you're owning Hmm. like a fruit stand kiosk, right? So one month a tornado hits or a hurricane hits and you're out of oranges. What are you going to do? And you have to work on budget. You have to work on uh, employees, hiring employees, losing employees, um, bad products, complaining customers, and they make you in each of the sections, they make you make hard decisions and you get this whole understanding of what the CEO goes through as the company's going through its year. Um, and I just find it fabulous. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds like a great concept. I mean, that's, and that's one of the things that I have found in, well, a bunch of organizations that I've been a part of. You know what you do. You know what the person next to you does. But then after that, it's like, oh, what, what are they, who are they? What do they do? Ah, okay. I don't know. Doesn't, I, I, it goes way over my head. So I, I think that there's something really, uh, really profound about connecting those dots on a fundamental level so that people can appreciate from that higher, uh, uh, higher level and understand what the whole team does. What was the name of that one again? What the CEO wants you to know. It's like a 125-page book, and it's a small book. Oh, that sounds like a good one. Yes. Very good. Yeah, I'm writing that down. I'm writing that down. And that'll actually, I want to put that in the show notes for this, too. Show notes, which you'll be able to find at mosby.ca slash, uh, I think it's, oh, boy, 006. Let's do that. Mosby.ca slash <laughs> 006, where you can find the show notes from this. You can get all of Cynthia's book collections or her uh, book suggestions. One, one other had, thing. Um, can, can I add oh, one other ahead. thing really quick to this? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think what that book helped me really understand, and especially because HSBC expanded on it in their town halls, etc., um, it helped me stop complaining and whining about why was this policy changed? Or why did Mm. they do that? What happened here? And, you know, all those things that make people bitter and angry 
because they they don't understand what's how a business is being run. Yeah. Well, and I think people look for things to bitch about and when they don't understand how they're connected, yeah, it's just they they don't know what's there. So it's one of those here be dragon sort of things where they just assume that everybody's an incompetent jackass and and they don't know what they're doing over there when really maybe I don't know what they're doing over yes. there, but they do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Gibbs. That's a, that's a really good uh, collection there. And, you know, maybe we have another installment of this uh, in the future. Yes. Uh, so good. apologies to Matt Damon. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so there was, uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to just, you know, I, I, I want to just try something out here. This is an idea I had, ladies and gentlemen. And we, what we're going to do after this is, is get into. And as you mentioned, all your ideas are great. Well, they're all terrific, <laughs> right? I think we, we can all agree, the three of us, uh, yeah, we can form a consensus here. Yeah. So there are instances in the world where a client comes to the L&D team, the training team, and says, I need training for X, never. right? That and, never happens. And never happens. And then sometimes, here's the thing, sometimes, though, training's not the solution for these sort of problems. Mm-hmm. So does this sound familiar so far? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to take problems from the world at large and say, can training, let's, let's flip it on its head here. Can training fix this problem? Got it. Okay. Yes. So my first, my first suggestion, and I'm just, I wrote, I wrote down a small list. I am going to go with, uh, oh, <laughs> Oh, there's some gems Wait. on here. Let's start with let's start with face tattoos. Can <laughs> train can train is training a possible solution for face tattoos? So is it actually applying the face tattoo to somebody? Then yes. No, it's not the application <laughs> so much. I don't know if that's where I'm coming. I don't know. Maybe maybe I got to check my corporate tattoo <laughs> face policy. But um, I don't know. I, I just wanted I just was wondering if you guys think that there's a possible solution for this issue. Maybe it's not an issue. Maybe it's a perceived issue on my end that, that maybe maybe fat, maybe face tattoos are a good idea. Maybe Ty, Mike Tyson knew I mean, he's just he's a front edge sort of guy. Trendsetter. That's right. That's right. No, I think uh, training could. I mean, you could do a simulation on what people expect from a personal branding perspective and talk oh, and that's make good. somebody kind of go through and say, okay, why are you getting the tattoo? What is the reason you're getting it? What is the outcome that you want to get with this tattoo? And then what are the byproducts? So I think you train somebody to think through logically what's going to happen when they get that tattoo, why they're getting that tattoo, and then what the world is going to look at them after oh. the fact. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. so you can train them from the the, the hot thought process, and yeah. then simulate of how people will react to them. Right, so if they're going for a job and they get the face tattoo, yeah. depending on what they do, they probably are not going to get a job if they have a big face tattoo. Mm-hmm. I mean, teardrops okay, you know, writing a couple <laughs> things on your face. Teardrops depends uh, on the job teardrop. description. I go. Yeah, it, it, if you get three of them, it's it, it's good. But why, just are kinda, you so sad? <laughs> why are you so sad? Why are you so sad? <laughs> um, you could join the circus and, yeah, and clowns, but um, yeah, that would do it. You, know, do it. you could be a juggalo. You could be a juggalo. Yes, uh, you you could be know, a juggalo. 
uh, years ago, we used to teach a diversity class. And Go on. one part of, you know, and it was, you know, much more deeper than your typical fun compliance diversity stuff. <laughs> but I mean, it was literally a four hour class. You've already lost me. Yeah, it was literally a four hour class. And the way you started it is we had a bunch of black and white pictures of people on the table, right? And from that, all you saw was their picture. And based on their picture, you had to you had to say what their life was like. So they mm. had yeah, so they had pictures of like you know, the typical person, right? Careful. You're already person. in trouble. <laughs> yeah, in trouble <laughs> they, would have, one, so. they would have yeah. people with tattoos. They would have people face with face tattoos, no, I hope. Yeah, yeah. Tattoos all over their body, tattoos on their face. Oh, yeah. They would have people with nose rings. They would have uh, men, you know, people with old, uh, long hair or who were um, older, people in wheelchairs, all these things. And you would have to come up with a story in your group about each of these people. And it just taught a lot about how our external perception and our immediate first impression causes us to have, you know, biases, Um, you know. And so when you talk about training on face tattoos and Adam started talking about, you know, uh, what is the world's perception? You could Mm do. We Mm -hmm. used to do a whole training class on that, on what is your perception based on externals. So, you know, seven teardrops on a, on a, on a cheek and, and you're just, you, you think, well, maybe, maybe they are just really sad. Maybe they've suffered with some struggles and only murdered a few people, <laughs> uh, but it probably shouldn't be a problem, right. you know, employment wise. Yeah. Uh, fair unless, point, Cynthia. Yes, fair point. Or unless you're like, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen, there's a rapper out there. His name is Takashi99. Did anyone see this? Nope. No. Okay, he has big six nines all over his oh. face and all over his body. It's okay. What all a random number. Random number, <laughs> but it's Takashi's I can't imagine why he would do that. Six nine. It has to do with anime. Anyway, this guy just recently, you can look it up online, uh, his name's Takashi. So he sold out everybody. He was part of a gang. Um, I think it was the Crips or the Blood, something like that. Sold out everybody, basically ratted on everybody. He is going now into witness protection. With oh, these tattoos that yep. literally say six nine, and he used to have that crazy hair like a, like a clown. Um, <laughs> probably not the best thing to do with those face tattoos, ratting on people that are going to kill you, going into witness protection. So, so they have tattoo uh, removal bad now. Bad choices. Can, can uh, they remove tattoos from your face now? Because I know they can remove they it from us. body. We need to escalate to poor decision removal somehow. All right, you know what? He can turn uh, you, the you six into me... an eight. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, oh, shit, no, it's the wrong guy. Oh, God, it's not even him. That's not this guy's right. got six, that's eight 80, all over his face. That's 89, not 69. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so uh, I don't know. I'm not convinced that training can solve the epidemic of face tattoos, but... Maybe I think maybe down that personal branding and and what does your life look like fifty years from now? Uh, hopefully you're not in a ditch somewhere, but uh, we'll we'll see. Is this an epidemic? I guess. Is this an epidemic in Canada? Apparently all <laughs> like, the pop stars are getting. I don't know. I just feel like that's a very strong word for the face tattoos. Yeah, it, more than three, I think, is an <laughs> epidemic. I mean, if, if there's that many people making, probably not a great decision. 
I don't Training's know. The and, and I'd like to apologize in advance for all of our listeners that have face tattoos. You're all beautiful <laughs> people, no doubt. Yes. Uh, <laughs> apologies to Matt Damon. Okay, so that was uh, we'll we'll put it close to that segment, uh, and maybe we we'll, maybe we'll never bring it back. I don't know. Uh, I'll keep looking for epidemics in the meantime. All right. The other thing that we wanted to talk about was uh, we continue, and I uh, we continue to go long in these things. We're going to try to do a kind of a uh, a succinct version, if possible of one of our additional seven spokes that is part of my and Adam's, uh, our little song and dance that we do about micro learning and how we had a successful program. Adam, give us like the, 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 the 140 character version just of the whole thing. And then, and then we'll jump into uh, skill development. All right. This is a challenge. The so what was, yeah, what was our program? What, what were we okay, talking I'm about? I'm going to tweet it too. So all my followers can watch it on my Twitter. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> That's less than last week. Yeah, it's going it's, it's down. It's going down. People are unfriending me. Um, but <laughs> oh at the end gosh. of the day, that micro learning video is just really the seven spokes of what Dan and I came up with over time. Um, and we've presented at ATD conferences and different areas that we've talked about it. But we've what we kind of came up with after we've launched micro learning, our battle scars, is that there's seven different spokes uh, and considerations that you need to take in when you're launching a micro learning program. Uh, I know on these episodes, we've talked about client buying in the past. We've talked about housing solution. We talked about software. And then Dan today is going to talk about a little bit about skill development and how he learned some of the skills being able to do micro learning. And we we specifically focus on micro learning videos and micro learning can be a lot of different things. Totally get it. But at the end of the day, we talk a lot about micro learning videos and Dan's segment was talking about skill development, how to get that skill, how he crafted the skill and how he's continued to learn those skills. Oh, it was plenty of crafting. I'll tell you this. Uh, so I'll give, I'll give you the short story, uh, just as short as I can. When I showed up at uh, Caliber working with Adam, Cynthia had not yet joined the team yet, but we, we saw that there was a potential to have micro learning videos in addition to, so not to replace webinars, but in addition to the webinars that we were offering to kind of scratch a, a different itch. And we came up with a proof of concept where we basically just chopped up a bunch of, we had a webinar, we kind of chopped it into logical segments. And then uh, those, those logical segments were to answer a single question. So if a, a uh, potential loan officer who needed to know how to do X or a processor needed to know how to do Y, they could access the video, understand that one thing and move on with their day, move on with the process. So we did these proof of concepts and they were really, really, really rough. They were done with Snagit and PowerPoint and Snagit, although is a reasonable and we've talked about this a little bit before, but it's a reasonable imaging uh, or image like screen capture editing tool. It doesn't do a great job for video capture, but, but that's not what it's built for. Anyhow, that's what I use because you use the tools that you have available. Uh, and we did. So we created some of those Well, I created some of those and I was really slapping these together, together really quick, like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And I had a completed five minute video or, you know, a three minute video or, or whatever it happened to be. And because the the amount of work that was going into it could only be so much. I had a relatively short investment of time that I had to do there. So I did that. And then we ended up investing in some better software for what we were trying to do. And that's Camtasia, which you heard us go on about ad nauseum about two weeks ago. So I'm not going to go into it, but it's a terrific tool, which we may go on ad nauseum tonight. But <laughs> um, 
Anyways, I learned some stuff about this and I shared what I learned with other people on the team. That I think is a very important part of the story. The fact that we were sharing uh, or, or the fact that I was sharing knowledge because one of the ways, if you guys know, there's that pyramid, that funny little pyramid about, you know, how you learn most effectively. And basically at the bottom is someone telling you things. And then at the top is you telling other people things. And when you, when you know that you are going to be sharing information with somebody else, else, it kind of, it, it, it structures itself differently in your head, and I think it's a lot more memorable, and you you fine-tune it a lot easier going forward from there. So we shared them. Other people weren't getting the same sort of pickup as I was, though, when I was creating these things. You know, obviously, I, I had a, I started the, the runway a little bit earlier, so I probably had four months worth of time getting into this that they didn't have, but still, we didn't kind of see them match my cadence moving forward, and, and we weren't really sure about what that was from. And uh, I did a lot of thinking about this. I said, well, why is it that I happen to be picking this up a whole lot quicker? So I, I did some self-reflection and I realized that it's because the, the talents, although I didn't have micro learning, you know, but I'm using air quotes, which you guys can probably tell from there. Uh, if you're watching the video, <laughs> I'm using air quotes. <laughs> uh, but I, I didn't have micro learning chops. What I did have was I had some podcasting experience. I had media editing experience. I had social media savvy. I, I had a few different pieces. Uh, what is going on over there? Who's, 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 who is moving furniture? Adam, Adam, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like multitasking. No, it was the airplane that came out. Airplane. No, it wasn't. Stop it. What I, I want to talk about, um, at, at, oh, geez. Adam Scott? No, that's not right. From uh, the office? I know. No, no that's, that's Michael Scott. Michael that's Scott. Michael Scott. <laughs> who's, the, who's the guy that did Delbert? Who's the guy that did Delbert? I don't know. Scott something something Scott? Shoot. All right. Anyways, the guy that did Delbert. Damn it. That's going to bug me now. Uh, he, although he didn't coin this phrase, Scott he Adams. did kind of. Scott Adams. Ah, oh, I was so close. Damn it. All right. I'll take it. I'm going to edit that out so I look smarter. Okay. Good job. <laughs> yeah. You keep yeah. trying there. <laughs> so anyways, this this idea of talent stacking. So, And he's a really good example because if you look at Dilbert specifically, it's not drawn incredibly well. It's not amazingly funny. It's funny. Um, it's drawn fairly well, and it's a fairly good depiction of corporate culture. And kind of the jokes therein. And that's that's kind of what he describes as a talent stack. He's kind of good at drawing. He's kind of funny. And he understands corporate culture. Now, he's a smart guy that's got a lot of other stuff going on. And he failed at, you know, 40 different things before he got, uh, before he struck gold with Dilbert. But that's a good example of kind of what that talent stack is. And, and it just so happens that I seem to have one of those when it comes to developing uh, some micro learning content. And really, if, if I had to boil it down, it's it's having some level of, uh, well, I guess I'll say some snarky humor that, that plays well in social media, uh, actual, not social media, but actual media editing, whether it's video or audio or, or visual, uh, those sort of things. And, oh gosh, there was something else. Oh, just general instructional design uh, uh, concepts as well. So so those sort of concepts together really go a long way for when you're creating that material. And the 
You might have heard in the story how I said that we didn't see everybody have the same pickup because we assumed that, okay, so here I am, I'm on the training team, I'm creating these videos, it's going well. Hey, you're on the training team, you do a similar role that I do, you should be able to make videos in the same kind of tone and temperature that that Dan's able to. And that we didn't see that, so we assumed that everybody had a similar skill set when that wasn't actually the case. And it's not that people can't learn it. Some people uh, maybe aren't interested, like, uh, I would really encourage no one to invest time developing social media savvy, but if you got it, it's going to work to your benefit, you know? Uh, so there was... Uh, there well, I do was take that, that back a little bit, Dan. You know... Looking at where we've come from, you know, in the beginning, it was a lot of you and we were kind of pushing a, you know, a square, square peg into a round hole saying, y'all need to learn this and we need to learn that. But I think as times evolved and I look at the team today, our output is way more than it ever has been. And in fact, I was just looking at it um, with some challenges with Vimeo since three and a half years now, so almost four years we're up to 585 videos that we've released from a micro learning perspective. So mm. that was not all Dan. And, and I will say, no, it's taken several years of that four years to basically get other team members up to speed and really kind of change and evolve too. Because I think when we started this journey back four years ago, micro learning was Still, I mean, it, was, it wasn't new, right? Microlearning has been around for a long time, but it was coined as relatively new. And now you look at just four years ago to now, how important YouTube is into our culture, how important just yeah. microlearning as a whole is. So I think people were are, have adapted more that you were kind of the early adopter and one of the earlier adopters. And now other people are jumping into that. Would you say a pioneer? I would oh. say a pioneer. Because oh. <laughs> his head's not please, already big enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which actually, that's a funny funny thing that uh, ATD called us pioneers of microlearning in a, in a LinkedIn <laughs> post. So it's, it, it does have some credence and has some legs that we've been called they pioneers. overly generous. <laughs> yes, very, did did were, you come in on your uh, stagecoach wagon? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. All right. It wasn't that Lincoln that said uh, a car in every driveway and a chicken in every pot. Was that him? Who? That was Lincoln. Abe Lincoln. Honest Abe. It was, a, it was a car Lincoln tieback. It doesn't matter. I don't think there was cars um, with Lincoln. Was there cars back? No. No, there wasn't. That's why it's a joke. <laughs> this is that trademark humor I was talking about earlier, guys. Yes. Are you talking about this, this regretful... Yeah. I think you're talking about the Matthew McConaughey Lincoln car commercial. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Which I you know, say, okay, those, so there's, things, there's, those things are the creepiest commercials that you ever, well, ever seen. I, I think, don't understand them. I think I'm going to put that on my list for can it fix or can training fix it? The uh, car commercials. <laughs> so there's there's two things that I cannot that, that are the most pretentious things in the world. One is is car commercials like that, and I love Matthew McConaughey. Uh, and then the other one is watch ads like on billboards and magazines. Mm-hmm. I want to burn every one of those goddamn things down. They're just the dumbest things. It's like John Travolta sh- pointing at his wrist in front of a plane. It's like nobody yeah. cares. Nobody cares. Literally, nobody a, cares. You know, uh, Google Boss uh, watch. Yeah. 
Nobody yeah. cares. Nobody cares. I'm done with you, baby. Okay, so what? I, I think that was really it. I mean, the, if 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 I were to boil it down in a nutshell, you've got to develop, or, or you could. It would behoove you to develop some some fast editing skills to understand the formats, and maybe that's where the social social media part comes into play more so than other things. Is that you have to bend? We were talking about this with Gary V last week. You have to bend to the format to be able to take advantage of the format and to understand the audience of that format and where they're coming from. Kind of like your pictures on the table, Gibbs, like, okay, let's give them a backstory. Who is this person? All the people that are in that environment and that ecosystem, they all understand a certain set of rules and it would really benefit people to play into those rules than away from those rules. So that's uh, that's something worth considering. And then, okay, so when it comes to media, why I found this to be so beneficial in picking up steam for creating micro learning content, because micro learning content is essentially, I mean, you're making videos. Well, I shouldn't say that <clears throat> micro learning videos are a lot like making videos, but micro learning content could be anything. I mean, it could be a soundbite or a a small podcast, or it could be a job aid or a GIF, you know, small article, all sorts of stuff could be micro learning. But when it comes to videos, you're essentially creating video and that's, that's a long and short of it. So you have to understand the intricacies of that transitions. You have to understand uh, how to layer things onto a screen. And we were talking about PowerPoint last week, how, how if you can understand the, uh, the layering menu that really opens it up for you. And it's the same thing. So if you can understand how to layer things, how to time things, how to move things in that kind of fourth dimension that you have to do when you're looking at an ending timeline, then I think that's going to go a long, long way. And then when you tell other people the things that you learned, well, that's uh, that, that only makes your head stronger and uh, and it helps the rest of your team, too. So do that. Do that. Adam, what am I missing here? What am I missing about skill development that you I saw? I think one of the big skill developments and where you really were able to take it to a different level very quickly was the way that you articulated the verbiage. And you created videos that you were talking differently than a traditional e-learning and so i think people resonated when they watched the videos as they said Mm -hmm. hey this is kind of entertaining it's real person on the other end that's talking to me because you did not follow a quote-unquote corporate script it you did write a script it didn't sound corporate um and that engaged people to say yeah i'm going to listen to this i'm going to listen to this guy i can listen to this video and i i i don't I think the audio had a lot to do with it because of how you were presenting the content that it it takes time to do that. Well, kind of, it takes, it takes time to do that. And so let's go back to that. The very first point in the whole story was the proof of concept. And it was, like I said, it was about 45 minutes to an hour and I, boom, I banged out a video, but the, I had been training that particular course, you know, that hour and 10, 15 minute course. I'd been training all the source material for up to about a year, well, maybe six, seven months. Let's just say six, seven months up to that point. So I knew the material really well. And so I was able to, I kind of had my pattern. I knew what's to say when I knew when the screen was going to load those sort of things. So you're, you're, I think you're right that I made the initial scripting casual because it was completely ad-libbed, you know, based, it was influenced from all of my previous knowledge, but it was an ad-libbed script at the time. And then because that was the proof of concept, it kind of set the tone in the organization and with the, the, at least the leadership that I was working closely with at that time, they're like, we like that. 
So let's just do more of that. But because we had additional layers of bureaucracy, then we did have scripting, like actual written script to be approved. But that script that got approved was a hell of a lot more casual than previous uh, than previous material. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good it, catch. Did, it didn't. It didn't come. It didn't come off like you were reading a script at any given point. And and, and that's yeah. what I would implore anybody to do on videos. And and I will argue that we need to do that in any learning period across the board, because I think a lot of instructional designers will create these e-learning courses and they just read, and it's so brutal to listen to. Mm. There's no mm-hmm. intonation in their voices. There's no tone in their voice. They just ramble on. So I think the audio makes it makes a huge difference. And then what you're saying also too, because you hit on that point is that, you know, looking back to the beginning is you were doing one of the fundamental things of micro learning, which was one concept. And, you know, Dan, you and I have debated about this a lot is what is micro learning? How long should it be? How should it be long? Should it be short? At the end of the day, I think we've both settled on that it needs to be one topic at a time. And however long it takes to get through that one segment or topic to teach somebody, that's what micro learning really is from a micro learning video perspective. And you caught on to that right away. And mm. that's what helped propel it too, because people were able to see, okay, I need to learn how to do this one specific thing. That video is fantastic. Let me get another one, one specific thing. And we really bite-sized that out. Yeah. So what you're saying is my ideas were really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're a pioneer in the entire That's thing. So. The, I'm a pioneer with good ideas pioneer and a chicken in my You're really pot. good at circling back around. Call it a callback of the business. Uh, All right. Uh, Gibbs, last word over to you uh, about skill development. And I mean, you've got to say something profound at this stage of the game here. What uh, give us give us a bombshell on skill development. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I was looking at some of stuff, you know, earlier tonight about, you know, what does skill development really look like? What does it mean, etc. Um, and, you know, one of the things they were, I was looking on um, the internet about, it was saying that skill development, is, a big part of it is making people not see that it's just a job, but that it's a career. And when mm. people see it as a career, they're more motivated to grow and learn skills. Um, so I thought that was and interesting. I- yeah, and I bet if you flip that around too, if you kind of allow people to develop skills and you encourage that development, then they'll take that job more seriously as a career too. Yes, and you know, and then you know, I was, I, you know, for me, it's always two different things. You know, you, you as a leader, you develop uh, someone for the skills for their job, and then you also develop them for skills for where they want to move forward to. Um, there you go. So I think it's two parts and, you know, so and, you know, when I was learning to be a leader and when, you know, um, and I wanted to become a training manager, uh, it took three and a half years. Um, but my boss, you know, one of the things I think part of skill development is teaching people that it doesn't happen overnight. Everyone wants everything to happen so fast, especially with technology and things like that. Everyone thinks skill development should happen faster or promotions should come faster, um, things like that, because everything else around us moves so fast. And I think that's a skill, you know, us leaders can develop in people is part of it is, you know, patience um, and that yep. everything takes time. And then the other thing um, I was thinking, too, was, you know, one of the things 
my manager did with me when she was developing me into being a manager, you know, so that it would be very obvious that I should be the next choice, was she's like, I need you to be doing 80% of that job already. So she spent those three and a half years developing those skills in me of what it took to be a manager. So by the time I became a manager, I was already doing 80% of the things uh, that needed you need to be as a manager. For that training. sounds like she had she was she was well developed in her delegation skills. Um, <laughs> yeah, and she was tough as a coach, man. I yeah. mean, you know, she loved you to death, but she she told you exactly, you know. And I think her strongest skill set, I mean, as a coach, was the next week she'd be like, "So we talked about this week. Tell me what you did." Like she never let anything go. Like she held me so accountable to so many things. That's good. Accountability is an important thing. If you want to hold us accountable for the things that we say, send us an email, mosbylearning at gmail.com. We have a show to email, ladies and gentlemen. Does, does our Mosby My. have a HR department if they have held accountable? <laughs> no. Address that to complaints at... <laughs> it's, it's a bunch of people with face tattoos working the entire HR department. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. How dare you judge them? Open your mind, you square. Okay, so yeah, yeah, mosbylearning at gmail.com, and it's M-O-S-B-Y. Uh, you can send us an email there, or you can find us on LinkedIn. Um, my name is uh, Dan, H-I-R-T. We have Adam Costix, C-O-S-T-A-K-E-S. And then Cynthia Gibbs, spelled exactly like you think, three Bs. Uh, no, it's G-I-B-B-S. But uh, yeah, reach out to any of us on on LinkedIn there. Say hi. Uh, music for this is going to be coming from Kevin McLeod at Compatech.com. I always like what he does. And uh, show notes, mosby.ca slash 006 to find, if you didn't write them down, to find those three books that Cynthia was suggesting. All right. Thank you very much, folks. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>